Welcome to a Nine Circles audio thing. This is Buke. On this episode, I am joined by Carl Willits of Memorium. There's a couple of times when the connection was a little spotty. I apologize in advance for any dropouts. Enjoy the interview. Okay, recording in progress, so don't say fuck or bugger. <laughs> Hello, this is this is Buke, and welcome to another Nine Circles Audio thing. On this episode, it is an honor for me to be joined by the master of death metal himself, Mr. Mm-hmm. Carl Willits of Memorium, formerly Bolt Thrower. He's one of the greatest frontmen in all of metal Carl, how are you doing on this Monday afternoon, sir? I am doing good. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you this good fine evening, Matt. Um, it's bloody cold here in the UK, as it should be. As it, it should be. Hey, as Carl, it I, be. I, I have to start by asking you, I am a fan of English Premier League soccer. Okay. There was a huge game yesterday where Arsenal pulled off a win against man you are you first off i have to ask are you a fo- football fan sir i am a proper football fan by that i mean that i do not support a team in the premier league <laughs> 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 i um i am a supporter a long time supporter in fact i used to have a season ticket uh until the children came up financial kind of like destitution um i used to be a, uh, a season ticket down in st andrews the home of birmingham city yes the, uh, the, the team of the city and uh the big rivals aston villa so that kind of uh that kind of uh, is interesting you know has, has some good kind of like um debates uh with with our, my bass player who's an aston villa fan uh <laughs> and you know it's all it's all about the uh yeah it's, it's good fun but also more and more recently i've got more involved with uh, my local team uh who are called solion moors and they are in the conference league which is the one league below the actual kind of like you know official leagues yes struggling to get into there have been for the past few years uh, so it's more of a grassroots level. So, you know, Birmingham, so there's about, you know, 20, 30,000 maximum people. Uh, Solio Moors, you're talking two or 3,000 at the most. Uh, and, yes, it's great fun to be supporting at that grassroots level, apart from when you go to see a match on a Tuesday night and it's bloody freezing like <laughs> we did last week. <laughs> you know, Carl, it is, it is so funny you mention that. Of course, you know, this is a metal podcast and we are talking here. Uh, you guys have Rise to Power coming out February 3rd through Reaper Inter- Entertainment. But, yeah. you know, it's not I don't, about Arsenal. It's not about Arsenal. It's not about <laughs> Arsenal. It's not about football. But, you know, quickly, you know, but I told you, you know, before I hit the record button, I like to make my interviews more of uh, off off the cuff, yeah. more of questions you may have been asked before. Makes and, it, you know, makes it more interesting. That's Absolutely. why, that's why, you know, on the really quick going back to football one last time, that's why I love the FA Cup so much because, yeah. because yeah. any team at any time can come up and just su- surprise. For, for example, it was glorious to see uh, the local rivals, Aston Villa, get, get knocked out by Stevenage. You know, yes. uh, yeah, in the last round, and that was that was a yeah, a glorious moment of of the FA FA Cup, and yeah, we we all 
totally love that competition. You know, it's exactly. Great to see that, yeah. But yeah, as you say, it's really good to talk about something else other than the music, really. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> even, though that, that, even though that's what we're here to do. It, Carl, what like did it. you what 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 did you think about the World World Cup this this past year? Well, you know, um, it's a difficult one, wasn't it, to get into because the times of the matches were all over the place, and uh, you know, with the, with with the, you know the political rhetoric that was behind the whole situation, was it the right place for it? Yeah, mm, you know, with the, all the you know like the, the the workers' rights and you know, yeah. the amount of death that. Uh, but yeah, bottom line, parking that aside, it was very hard not to get into it because my national team were in it, you know, as, as you do, you, you kind of, you can't help, but yeah, if you like football, regardless of the circumstances, yeah, you kind of get into it. And it was a great, great, um, a great kind of tournament at the end of the day, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, unfortunately it was a great celebration of football at the end of the day, really. And great. I, I enjoyed the matches. There were some great performances from, from underdog teams, you know, where and some 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 absolutely stunning kind of like results which you just didn't anticipate. Morocco, you know. nobody saw that coming. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and it was uh, you know, once again for as an England fan, it was devastating to get knocked out uh, against bloody France. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. We're used to it now. I, I was born in 1966, <laughs> uh, just after we won the World Cup. And I haven't seen us win it ever since. So uh, one day, one day in my lifetime, it may happen. But uh, it, was, it seems like the national team is getting closer. You know, the, the Euros last year, you know, final, you know, Italy and all that, you know. And, yeah, so we are kind of getting a more uh, galvanised, better team. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I, yeah, I do like me football. I do like me so do yeah, I, yeah. and 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 that's why I wanted to start the interview just with asking you that and try and break it up so you don't have the same questions again and again. Marvelous, marvelous. This is this is interview number thirty that I've done, and <laughs> sometimes it does get a bit mundane when I get asked the same questions over and over again. So that was a nice icebreaker. Very good. There you nice go, my that. friend. Hey, <laughs> Carl, with 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 rise to power about to drop uh, here in a, a week or so. How how does it 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 feel from from your point of view for a, a gentleman who's been doing music now for decades? Is the mm. eagerness still there? Because listening to the album, you know, there is no mailing it in. There are are plenty of artists who you can see are just, just rubber rubber, rubber going stamping the, going it going through the motions. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I can see that out there a lot. Uh, yeah, great, great question to, to start off with, really. You know, so I've been around a bit, you know, getting on to my, uh, well, I'm 56, yeah, 57 this year. So I've been doing it for 30, on and off, 35 years or so. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that at this point in my life that we are enjoying it more than ever. You know, I think we have got to that point in our lives that we appreciate it for what it is. And um, as a result of that, we, we, kind of, we, we do kind of like get a lot of more pleasure out of it than maybe we'd have done maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Maybe you know, 20, 30 years ago when we were doing it, we were just doing it. We are in that moment and maybe too young to appreciate what we were achieving or what we were doing at that point in time. But yeah, wind the clock forward to this point in time. I think that all that experience of working and doing this and getting to the point where we're at makes us all a lot more thankful of the opportunity to be able to be doing this at this point in our lives. Yeah, maybe if you'd have asked me 
when we first started out in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, if I'd still be doing this when I was 30, 56 years old, I'd have probably um, laughed at you and said, absolutely not. Uh, but here we are, you know, um, and it's been glorious. And as a result of that, I think, generally speaking, we do um, appreciate what we've got and uh, feel very thankful for this opportunity to be doing it, you know, and, you know, totally down to the people that support us. You know, you, know, you, you, you mentioned that you were born just before, you know, sorry, just after England won the World Cup. So you, you, you haven't seen that, but in, in, in your lifetime, you know, in your backyard, you have some of the greatest musical giants of all time. Ozzy Osbourne, Rob Halford, you know, yes, we can go as a, on. As a, a, a band from Birmingham, the uh, the metal, the metal metropolis, as I put it, uh, the home of metal. Uh, yeah, it's we have a, a very, very proud musical heritage here in Birmingham, specifically in the Midlands, you know, and uh, not just metal, there's a whole wide range of fantastic yep. music that comes out of, of Birmingham, and I think we're very proud to be part of that. Uh, that super cult group that we are a part of you know i think i think a lot of it comes from the fact that birmingham is very much um in the middle we are in the heart of the country so we're very far away from from the sea <laughs> we're totally away from we're not affected by any kind of raising of water if the whole uh, planet was to raise its water level by about 10 foot or 20 foot over, overnight we'd be okay in birmingham you'd be fine so, We'll be fine. Uh, everywhere else gets flooded, we'll be fine. Uh, we have a little island called the West Midlands, and it'd be great. But I think because we've got this little kind of like, uh, we're away from the, the, where all the media is based and where all the, the happening things go on in London, and also, you know, we're not tied to the kind of cultural, kind of historical, cultural significance of Liverpool or Manchester. You know, we've very, we've very much developed a very independent sense of identity here in Birmingham. You know, a lot of it, people say it comes from the industrial past of the city. I don't know about that. But generally speaking, now we have got a very independent scene uh, in Birmingham and we've developed our own sense of identity through that. And I think that's what the music has, has developed and grown. And, um, you know, very, I say very, very pleased and proud to be part of the heritage of Birmingham. You know, Carl, and, and that's an in interesting point you just mentioned, you know, about carving out your own identity. When when you first started late 80s, early 90s with, with Bolt Thrower and stuff, very few bands were doing what you were doing, especially in in Birmingham and stuff. Was it was it something you set out from the start with the guys to carve out your own identity and your own sound or yeah, where did where, where did that come come from i think it just i think that kind of just generally evolved we didn't actually you know, kind of like set out to to set to do what we just did what we did uh and, and it was because there was you know it was almost like the the kind of like crest of the first wave of this kind of type of extreme metal that came out of uh, of this area uh, yeah across the planet you know uh but yeah i think that what it was that we drew reference from our cultural kind of like what we were into musically you know like we were into our like anarcho punk you know discharge you know crass all the amoebics all those kind of like heavy kind of old school kind of like uh anarcho kind of 
you know, leaning kind of punk bands, you know. And then we kind of like heard this kind of, it's this new kind of extreme kind of guitar-based metal from, from America, like, you know, bands like, you know, Slayer, and Metallica and Anthrax and things like that. And we kind of like took a bit of that musicality and welded it onto the ethos and the sensibility of that, the punk uh, culture that we were a part of. And it just emerged from there, really, you know. And so we didn't really, really think about what we were doing. We just did it. And um, it happened to emerge into um, a bit of a monster, uh, which was great, you know. But again, you know, moving forward in time, it's always a question of of trying to, you know, develop your own sense of identity. And we've done that pretty much with Memoriam from when we first started out. It would have been very easy uh, from the ashes of, of Bolt Thrower to have recreated a band exactly in the same vein. Yes, it's still old school death metal. Yes, it's got, it's got a groove to it. It's got my vocals to it. So there's going to be many similarities always as parallels in there. But we were very, very wanted to set up our own sense of identity. So we had a different kind of like, um, there's four of us instead of five. So the dynamics of the music we create are very different. And we, yeah, we set about really wanting to set our own one more as a separate identity uh, and entity that than our, the previous bands were doing as well. So yeah. yeah, it's always about constantly wanting to strive forward and, and formulate a sense of identity through what you, know, you do. Carl, that's a, a a great point you bring up. How do you form a new identity, sir, from from a a project that is so you know when when people mention the greats. You know, bolt thrower will always forever, even when you're dead and gone. I hope it's not for a long time, but people will always mention bolt thrower as being one 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 of the greats. When when you set this new project in motion, how did you or what? Because you know it is still the old school death metal. How do you make it different in a way so when yeah. when people are describing it? They're not saying, "Oh, it's just Carl doing bolt thrower." Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it, that was. I mean, it, it would have been very easy just to do that, just do a, a, a bolt thrower tribute band, and you know, sound exactly the same. Very easy. Yeah, you know, when we first started up with Whale, the original drummer, but, and my vocals, which were you know, two fifths of the mix of the original bolt thrower sound, so it would have been very easy to achieve that. But we wanted to do something separate, you know. We wanted to set, we wanted to set something uh, a standard apart from that, and that's why we got involved. Um, Scott Fairfax, very much so. He's what he's the predominant riff meister general, uh, and he comes to us with a different kind of um, style of playing and a, a different kind of like influence in the music that he is influenced by. He's a, a younger generation, ten years younger, uh, so he's a more influenced by the more uh, might be one of the more technical, melodical, uh, mid '90s death metal than than we say we are to a certain extent. So I think by bringing him in and his influence into what we do and the music we create has made a set set the standard and set aside. As I say, the dynamics are different as we're a four piece rather than the five piece, so we're not having got those blended harmonics on the guitars and rampant leads all over the place. So yeah, it's something we actually set about doing you know on purpose you know we we, we, we were in, yeah and it's been difficult you know for because everyone kind of was, was wanted 
us to sound like Bolter, and we really don't want to, you know. And we've always had that comparison. Oh, oh, they're great, but they don't sound like Bolter. Well, that's, that's the whole fucking point. That's the whole fucking point. <laughs> yeah, that's if, the whole point. If if you want to listen to Bolter, we go put on the Bol- Bolter. Absolutely. Album. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's it. Go, go listen to Bolter albums. They're there. You've got them. Enjoy them. But you know, just enjoy us for what we do and what who we are and what we do now. Uh, get over it. <laughs> you know what you know what sir that that is such a wonderful point you you bring up get get over it because you have a whole extensive catalog if you want to listen to that prior thing listen to that but you you just said it there's there's a technical aspect to this that you know i'm not i'm not one to put pen to paper and write a glorious review and come up with 500 different words to try and describe how different you are and how beautiful you are. It's just, there's just a technical aspect to this that is just different and it's its own being. Yeah. And this is it. Yeah. And this is it. I'm, I'm never, I'm very proud of what I've achieved in pre- yeah, previous band. Yeah. I, there was a long period of time when I wasn't in Boxer. I left in 1994. Yep. Yep. And rejoined again in well, 2013, whatever. There was a whole long period when I wasn't in the band. And even during that time, when I wasn't doing it, I wasn't doing music or anything, I was still referred to as Carl Boltra. <laughs> and, and, and it's slightly annoying. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I've got yeah, I got used to that. And I, I, I will never decry. I'm very proud of what we achieved. And it was a great time. Brilliant, brilliant band. Fantastic. However, it's over. Yep. Let's move forward. Hey. Let's enjoy. Let's enjoy what we've got. What we're what we've got it. What it's here now, and it's taken. I think it's taken about a few years, you know, uh, to rid ourselves of those shackles to yep. a certain extent and develop our own sense of identity. I think by album number three, I think people started to accept us for what we were. You know, yeah, and kind of like you know, that, that's the key, really. People accepting that this is what is happening right now, and it's not going to. It's not going to be the same. It's never now, going to be the I same. am I am glad you just mentioned that. With album number three to the end coming out in 2021, you know the world was my god right in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, uh, yeah, album number four. Yeah, because the first one was for the fallen. Second one, silent vigil. Third one, requiem for mankind. Yeah, requiem for man- mankind. Clear. Yes, and then when we got the new drummer in for the last album, which was uh, to the end. Yes, the, the first album of the second. Yeah. Trilogy. Uh, and I'm just going to go shut the door because the kids are making noise. All right, shut up. Okay, little, little, little Oliver's having a meltdown. That's okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, so I mean, this is it. I think with the last couple of albums in particular, with uh, Spike joining us on drums, that's made a, yeah, you know, it's just altered the dynamics yet again and pushed us uh, to another level in many respects. You know, how, how did, you know, I have talked to a bunch of artists. I, I've done hundreds of interviews and I interviewed like Michael Shanker uh, a couple months back and, you know, a great, one of the greatest guitar players of all time, the pandemic for him really took a big part of his identity away. And he tried to find ways and he released, you know, a a couple solo albums around that Mm -hmm. time. There was little, little else that anyone could do really apart from that. how, How did the pandemic for you, as a front man affect you and as, as you know, you're, you're a father. Um, did, did, did it take a toll on you not being able to massively? Yeah. All of a sudden we're doing, you know, gigs all across Europe uh, regularly. Then all of a sudden that is snatched away 
for an extended period of time, you know, and the thing that I enjoyed doing the most, which is one of the reasons I started doing Memoriam, was I enjoyed doing gigs. Yeah, I enjoy writing music. I enjoy being in a band. And to have that kind of like taken away so suddenly was a bit of a shock to the system, you know. But um, yeah, on a whole, I think that, you know, having that extended period of time at home gave you opportunity to focus on the things that mattered in life, you know, to a certain extent. And I kind of think it made you, made you appreciate things that you'd missed, we you'd lost, uh, focus on your family and close friends, um, the building of social networks. I think social media was a very useful tool during that time to remain connected to people, you know, and we got a lot of love and a lot of support of our fans through that period, supporting us, buying merchandise and, you know, keeping us going, which was great, very life-affirming in many respects. So I think, you know, to have that experience, it, it lasted, it didn't last forever. You know, it, it's kind of, oh, it's, it's still with us. I think it always will be with us. But, um, but you know, we kind of got through it as a world in our own isolated, different little ways. But we still, we pulled through. And here we are now on the other side of it. And I think people just generally appreciate going to gigs a bit more. You know, I think it's a little bit, there seems a little bit more crowded because everyone's out there trying to do stuff they, they couldn't do over the past two years. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's a rather crowded scene to be involved with, really, uh, playing live. But, you know, it was great to have the opportunity to go back out there. Our first gig that we did post-COVID was Bloodstock Festival, just down the road from us in Birmingham, in Litchfield, just outside Birmingham. And that was just a joyous occasion to have that kind of like, that shared kind of like joy of being back out, doing, playing gigs with loads of people. It was marvellous. But, you know, another thing from COVID, we learned, you know, it gave us an opportunity to learn and it maybe gave us an opportunity to set, set, you know, to step back a bit. Because be- before then, we were we were pushing forward at a, at a frenetic rate. We'd released... Yes. Three albums in three years, <laughs> you know, which was good. And that was the idea of what we wanted to try and attempt to do. But the reality of it was, it was it was killing us. <laughs> it was hard work. Uh, so having the uh, kind of like that enforced um, kind of Break. sit back, yeah. yeah, made us kind of like spend a little more, bit more time. 18, so we got, it took us 18 months to release, you know, album, the next, the following album, album number four, album number four which in retrospect, was a really good thing because it gave me more of it gave us all more time to concentrate on the pre-production side of things. It gave us that extra six months to work out little tweaks here and there. For me, as a vocalist, which you're asking for in the first place, for me, it was really important because it gave me the opportunity to demo the vocals, something I've never done in the 30 odd years of doing this. It's a first, you know, it was, it gave me the opportunity to write the lyrics, scrap the lyrics, rewrite the lyrics, test the lyrics in the studio at Rift Central with with, uh, with Scott. So, yeah, so I knew what the structure of the lyrics was going to be. I knew what the words were going to be before we actually went into the studio to record. So when we went into the studio to record, all I had to do was concentrate purely on the delivery of the vocals. You know, I didn't have to worry about, you know, changing them around or the timing structures. So I knew in advance what they were going to be. And that was a huge development and a huge um, progression in the way that we write songs. And We've 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 kept that we've kept that we've learned from that and on the last album we've we've we staggered it for eighteen months as well and we will do for the next one because doing the demoing of the vocals puts us in such a stronger advanced position when you enter the studio than it is than ever before and that's a new that's a new thing we've learned so in in that respect yeah COVID has uh, had a positive impact on the way that we act and, and generate songs and create songs 
you know, as a band. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's had some positives. Millions of people may have died across the planet, but we can create some better strong songs as a result of it. Hurrah. Hey, Carl, the, you, know, you have, you know, you, you mentioned the, the, the force uh, break that COVID, you know, and put on you guys and learning how to do social media and stuff like that. With, with decades in the music industry, you have seen a lot of new changes and had, had to adapt and stuff from, you know, CDs, you know, transitioning from cassette to C, C, CDs, yeah. digital, you know, the rise of downloads and digital music and the way you've had to handle merch and digital orders and stuff like that. What, what change throughout all these years was the hardest? Because, you know, you see so many corporations, if they don't adapt to change, like here in the States, Blockbuster didn't they thought that streaming with Netflix wasn't going to be what it is. And you see Blockbuster didn't adapt and they went the way of the dodo bird. What did yeah, you see? Yeah. What did you see in the music industry that you had to adapt or you were going to get steamrolled over? Yeah. I mean, we've well, luckily I've been doing this for like 30 years, you know? So what we did when we sat, especially when we set out with memorials, we, we selected, you know, the parts of what worked in our previous bands that we liked, you know, like we liked doing our own merchandise. That's been a really strong thing. I do the band's merchandise. I'm in control of that. That's what I enjoy doing. You know, I'm the vocalist, but I also enjoy, enjoy it. And that's a, a major, throughout COVID as well, that was a major income stream that kept us going. You know what I mean? Um, so that, that was something, so we've kind of taken elements of what we do, like so the self-management angle of what we do. We do organise a lot of our own shows. We are on a, on a booking agent as well, but we do you know, manage quite a lot of the shows directly ourselves we promote. So we retained a lot of those, you know, kind of that ethos from what we did in the past. You know, some of the things, you know, that we didn't, I didn't kind of agree with or didn't work so much. Uh, I've jumped, you know, but we've taken some of the elements of what we did in the past and we've retained them moving forward, which kind of works for us. But I think one of the biggest challenges, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of the, the 80s, you know, uh, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> growing up in the 80s. Uh, yeah, for me, it was always about albums, records, vinyl. That was the key, you know, it's like, it wasn't about a little CD or a cassette tape. It was about or a digital fucking ephemeral download out yep. there somewhere. It's about a physical product. You know, a twelve, a big, a physical, handleable product that you can look at and engage with, and and, and it's always been like that for us. You know, if we, we, we both throw it, it's very much the same. You know, it's always the key has been final. We view our our releases. That's what we use Dan Seagrave. Yeah, we view it artistically as as, as that's just as important uh, as the music in many respects. Uh, and so, so yeah, we are from that kind of that mindset. So yeah, when when digital downloads came along. Uh, and people stopped listening to albums in their entirety from start to finish and started selecting the odd track here and yep. there. Yep. It, 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 that, that was something I found really kind of quite difficult to uh, to get my head around because you know, the album tells a story. You know, you listen to it from start to finish and you make it, the artist makes it flow in a specific way. We actually select the songs and put them where they are for a reason. <laughs> for, yeah, for a reason, <laughs> yes. <laughs> for a reason because they flow and they tell a story. Uh, and when people start to select, you know, odd tracks spot on Spotify and pick out and make your own cassette tape of them, which is great, you know, we used to do that, that as well with records, you know. But uh, when they do that, it's 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 it kind of like spoils the essence of what an album is all about. So it's quite hard to get my head around there. But 
you know, it's quite nice to see the whole vinyl scene has made a massive resurgence. Yes, you it know, has. Generally tend to make more of our sales these days. You're never going to make any money from digital downloads, ever. You know, you can, you can sell millions and earn, you know, in, in, a, in a, for a beer. You know, yeah, it, it, it never, it's, it's, it's never going to make a musician rich. Yeah, we're never going to. We've picked the wrong genre if we, we want to be rich. <laughs> we've definitely picked the wrong. We've made the wrong career choice. From day one, we've got it wrong. <laughs> but yeah, we're not doing it for that. But it is quite nice to be kind of like, you know, yeah, for, get some recompense from yep. the effort. Yep. Uh, and digital downloads have killed that. Yeah. And that was a worrying time. But it's nice to see that things have gone full circle. Cassette tapes are back. Amazing. You know, uh, and even CDs are coming back as well now. Yeah. So things like if you stay in it for long enough, long, long enough time, things yep. tend to come around in, hey. in cycles, don't they? Carl, you know, we talk about this this change and uh, adapting and stuff, you know, and I'm at the start, we talked about fo football, you know, athletes have to constantly be adapting and practicing or else yes. young, young bucks yes. coming into the league are going to pass sorry. them up and you're going to be, you know, just old, old news. Yeah. If you, what? if you want to, if you want to continue you're doing it you have to adapt you have to change what you know, have what have you had to do as a vocalist because you know you can hear what guitar players or drummers or whoever do throughout the years to Im improve what have yeah. you had to do as a vocalist throughout these decades with yourself to be relevant or improved or better than the last album yeah i think that's a really good question. Uh, and I think there's, there's several things that you have to that you do. You do continually evolve and change as an artist as you get older. You know, you have to, otherwise you can't do it. You know, I, I, I now feel that in my, you know, in my, my, my autumn years of uh, my life, I have, um, I've learned a lot through the experience of doing this, you know, and you take on board those experiences and you know your parameters you know your own kind of like limitations you know what you can do what you can't do i'm never going to sound like rob halford i've tried I sound did terrible. you try not really no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. sometimes when you're writing a song and you've got it in your head oh, i want to do this and you try it it doesn't work uh yeah so that's that's another good thing about demoing things you get to learn that shit before you actually get in the studio to try it and make fool of yourself so uh so, so that's one good thing uh, it, it, i think it's all about having a bit of it's all about self-confidence but it's, it's all about kind of like having a bit of a self i think it's a Birmingham thing you know again a good sense of self-depreciation i think that's really 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 important in, in in this industry but yeah there's a lot of things that have changed over the years now i could never see myself jumping on a tour bus and doing a 30 or 40 day extended tour across a specific region that would kill me i would not i've got i've got a whole set of new responsibilities i've got kids i've got a job i'm one that's got dementia i've got things that i got to do at home so those kind of responsibilities i have do limit me to what i want to do but also physically and mentally I think it would it would shatter me to actually kind of like perform on a regular basis. Not not sometimes do, and that's great. I'm you know not decrying that. Fair play to them, but from a personal space perspective and space, it's not what I want to do. So we pretty much do memoriam on our own terms. You know, we we, we kind of what we tour. We don't tour, but we play gigs on a regular basis. Maybe every other weekend 
throughout the year. So yeah, we're still kind of like doing 20, 30 shows, but spread out over every year. So we pick and choose what we want to do on our own terms, the way that we want to do it as well, you know. So that's that's really, really key to uh to kind of like being able to to uh to keep it to keep it going at this point now you know where where scott or frank may pick up their instruments every day and play some chords or practice or something are what are you doing because you know what i i mean this with the biggest respect and thumbs up and good for you you sound like a fucking 20 year old (laughs) i'm I'm telling you Carl, you you sound amazing. So, is is this a daily thing that that you're doing still? I mean, I I think I think the the key to what what the vocal delivery that I do is just just being confident in what you what I do. And um, you know, it's 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 something I don't practice it. You know, and then the glorious thing about it is that when I do perform, it's for forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah, maximum usually, you know, so it's not a long, long, you know, and it's not night after night after night. So it's never going to rip my vocals. I think if I did three or four, more than three or four nights on the trot, then I'd be struggling. And I've had that in the past, you know, when we've been on tour in the past with previous bands, you know, after three or four shows, you know, the, the voice goes and it's horrendous. It's a, it's a, an absolutely frightening experience to kind of not be able to communicate vocally. But I've always found that lyrically, vocally wise, it always comes from down here. Yeah, the vocals come from down here, not yeah. there. So you can often not actually communicate or talk to anyone, but when you go on stage to deliver it, it will come out. The adrenaline pushes you through. And as Chris Weifert suggested, drink a bottle of whiskey. No one will care. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Carl, is, is, is this something, you know, you can teach somebody how to play guitar, how to, how to, how to play drums, you could teach somebody how to sing. Yeah, we can't. Really Are teach you able to teach metal. somebody death metal vocals, or is it I, you either have it or you don't? It's it's something that comes from within. It's like a trigger which comes with the music. Yeah, it's like this. You know, sometimes people people say to me when I'm in the pub or out and about, say, "Oh, come on, Carl, do you have a death metal voice?" It, it, it doesn't work like that. You know, it just, just does not work. Like, I'm not performing monkey. You know, <laughs> yeah, like you're that. not, you're not banging it, this. It, it, yeah, dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It, it, it's kind of, um, it comes with the music. It's all to do with the atmospherics, and it comes from within. And yeah, a lot of it is, I wouldn't say I'm the best, <laughs> by far, <laughs> the best vocalist in the world. But it's all about the, it's the kind of like uh, the confidence and the engagement with the audience. You know, that's what it really is to me. It's having that kind of confidence, and that comes with age and experience. At the end of the day. You know, I think you can't really teach that. It's just something that you develop through the ages. And the more you do it, the better you become at it. And the more you enjoy it. Yeah, and that's the key. It's enjoyment. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, you've got to enjoy doing it, you know, and engaging with people. You've got to have that certain personality, that kind of like, kind of like uh, that charisma to, to be able to do that, you know. For everybody listening now, I, 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 I want people to really focus on there's something about you throughout the decades, and even on on Rise to Power, it it really shines. Your your vocals are never, I think, I think what what works so well. Your vocals are never shoehorned in. It is Absolutely. just such a real nice fit. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. One of the things that I do try very hard is because I do enjoy writing, and I spend some time making them work. 
and rhyme <laughs> and and it just yeah it's, it's some effort so i get, I get some, a lot of joy out of that so when i deliver them in the studio i ensure that they are enunciated in the clearest possible manner that i can do so people can actually hear what i'm trying to say rather than just kind of it being a guttural rare uh, that uh, yeah, I, that I, I want, is want, my personal yeah sorry sorry I, to step on people, you yeah I want people to engage with it. You know, that's that sort of. I want people to understand and hear hear the words I'm saying. You know, I've spent a long time writing them, so that's key. I think that's that's another key aspect to 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 uh, successful death metal vocals. Yeah, Carl, you 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 talk about you know you put a lot of time into writing lyrics and stuff like that. You you look at what's happening in the world right now. You know, Russia invading you Ukraine and stuff. Is it? You know, you, you can go online, you can go on Reddit, you can go on any on YouTube, on any news website. You know, you, you, you can load up Sky News right now and you could see, you know, drones dropping bombs on soldiers. You could see tanks rolling in, you know, everything. Is it, you know, you, over my shoulder, I have a Warhammer 40K poster. Is it is it harder to, or I guess not harder how is it to do vocals when you are coming from like a fantasy point of view mm-hmm. or a, 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 mean, an imaginary did, point of view to a bit called, yeah, called Space Hulk? Oh, there, there you go. go. Look, look at that. <laughs> to to when yeah, you know, to, 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 to when war is at the forefront and happening and yeah. thousands of people are losing their lives on a monthly basis. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is it, you know, I have uh, Quite well known, uh, believe it or not, uh, for writing lyrics about war. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's what kind of like uh, has been my bread and butter the past thirty odd years, and uh, that's what I'm known to do. And you know, with memoriam, yeah, I've kind of like spun that out a little bit. I still write lyrics about war a lot, but I've also incorporated a bit of social cultural input into what I do a lot more so than in the past, and I also kind of added my experience and songs about, you know, experience of life into the mix. You know, the last album, that we on album number five now, and then all the albums have incorporated these elements in the, in the lyrics. And, you know, with this new album, um, Rise to Power, at this point in time, uh, it it's, seems almost ironic that, you know, I've always written songs about war and they've always been kind of either kind of like some kind of drawn for some reference of some historical event you know first world war or second world war where awesome kind of like ephemeral future fantasy war whatever they're always drawn and i've always skirted around about war but nothing in specifically in particular but now here we are start of 2023 we're nearly into a one year of a a, a global almost a global war almost yeah doorstep in Europe, yeah, and it seems like at this point that um, you know the lyrics that I'm writing about war seem more relevant now than they ever have done in the past because it's happening, it's real, you know, on a day-to-day basis. As you say, you see it on all the social media feeds that I'm into. You know, I'm into to war monitoring and things like this. I read, I read and follow it on so, a so do I, yeah. basis. Yeah, yeah, and, and and it's horrific. It's absolutely to I, I would never ever have contemplated that this would be happening. On our doorstep, you know, it's, it's a few thousand miles away from where I live. We're on a little isolated little island here in the UK. We're on a slightly bigger island over the side of the pond, but you know, it's just just over, the, it's just down the road. Um, you know, it's not far away, and it's just you know the neo-imperialistic 
fascist invasion of a sovereign state of Europe is uh, that's disgusting. It, 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 it fills me, me with absolute fear. Uh, and, um, you know, there is some of the reactions that, that you know, especially, you know, you know, all these all these US tax dollars being spent on, on the Ukraine. Fuck's sake, you know, it, it, it's, it's the, the cheapest form of self-defense you've ever had. It, you know, you <laughs> just said, so, yeah, you, yeah, you you just said it, yeah. Absolutely, it's it's uh, it's 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 horrific and frightening, and also obviously has led to a large, large inspiration to the lyrical content on the new album. You know, I very much draw reference to uh, world events and the things that are going on around me as I'm as I'm kind of like writing lyrics, and it just feels at this point that you know the lyrics about war, the lyrics about kind of um, politics or culture, the lyrics about experience—they've all merged into one conglomeration they've all kind of formulated and, and made they're not specific themes they're separate themes now they're all rolled into one you know because it's happening right now it's right here carl does it's real does does the lyrical references with war and stuff and i'm a guy who i don't want to say loves war because you know it's a tragic loss of life and i've never been a soldier so i can't even imagine the horrors of of actual being in war but like you i am a fan of his history i am always watching war documentaries reading books about yep. war i i love war war one um but you look you're a generation removed from when the luftwaffe was bombing england absolutely yeah yeah uh, it was, it, it, was when, it was happening it's happened to my parents they were, they yep were, it happened to happen to you exactly yeah. your parents yeah. were going in bomb shelters mm -hmm. you know their their friends and siblings were fighting the Nazis invasion and, and everything. Does your uh, lyrical thing on war and your your take on war, does that come from a product of of, yeah. of, of growing up with your, you know, what was in yeah, your, I, I, your backyard? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we kind of, like I say, living in Birmingham, it was an industrial centre, you know, so there was like uh, lots of factories here in, in the middle of the BSA, the, 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 the uh, munitions factory, which my mom used to work at. And that was bombed on a regular basis. So, yeah, I was always brought up with these stories about what happened during the war and, and kind of like going to places in my, my, my parents recounting. My dad was an ambulance driver in the, in the war as well. Wow. And was in the First World War, so we've got all these stories wow. that have been passed through my historical lineage. Uh, some some amazing stories as well uh, that, that kind of like... And I think, yeah, we've, we've, we've all got them to a certain extent, yeah, because we were, you know, and, and those have been passed down and... That, and obviously, I think they were ingrained in my mind as a as a young child, and uh, and kind of helped develop these ideas that I had. And uh, yeah, I think it all, it all stems from that. Definitely, definitely, for, for sure, for sure. Do was there ever a part of you that uh, you know, uh, a younger you? Did you ever think about joining the uh, service ever? Oh God, no, no. I was just too, <laughs> I, I'm just obviously too far, far too unfit and lazy to even, even <laughs> contemplate doing that and i was just too much i was just too much into music really yeah from a very early age i was really really into music and that's all i, I wanted to uh to do with music and girls that's 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 that was the thing that, that kind of like that, that, that moved me not so wrong uh, there brother <laughs> music, you, music do, you, do, do you remember when the light bulb flipped on for you with music you oh, remember I do. Hang on one second. Let me just sort my little lad out for a second. I do. It was um, 
Absolutely defining, defining moments in my uh, historical cultural upbringing was when um, I think it was when I was about 21 and uh, just before I, I kind of joined the band really and it was my 21st birthday and I was at the legendary mermaid um, venue in Birmingham which you may have uh, may have heard about heard about in the past and um, a band called Sacrilege were playing and um, yeah I was heavily heavily into sacrilege back in the back in the day massively and uh you know they did a dedicated song for my 21st birthday which was very nice and that 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 point i was thinking that is the point where i thought oh this is something i'd consider doing you know i'd like to i'd like to go up there and do something along those lines i could do that yeah this is something i could actually potentially achieve so yeah that was the defining light bulb moment for me and uh, it, it wasn't long after that you know because I, I was a roadie for bolt thrower back in the day i was i was, I was driving him around uh because whale was uh, an old friend of ours and um you know it wasn't long after that where their vocalist left and i um i joined the band and uh became the vocalist so you know that's that's where the, that's where the history lies <laughs> yeah yeah carl a couple more questions i'll let you go you can do your next interview what what are you know throughout through all these years, sir? And I know you know on a personal level, you may say your greatest achievement, you know, is being a father, or you know, because I'm a father myself. But musically, what what are you most proud of? And what what um, you know at, yeah. at 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 the end of the day, when the curtain closes on you as an artist. What do you want people to remember you as? What do I want as my epitaph? <laughs> uh, he was a trier. <laughs> no, I think I think that um, for me, it's always been you know the the biggest achievements, the highest achievements, the high points. There's been a lot of highs. There's been a lot of lows. But uh, the highest points are whenever you achieve something for the first time. You know, so for me, it was hearing myself doing the vocals on a John Peel session, you know, in the early, in the late 80s, early 90s. It was, you know, releasing the first album uh, in Battle There Is No Law. All, the, all these little things playing in Europe for the first time with, with autopsy and pestilence in 1991, going over to America for the first time, you know, getting a, <laughs> buying an old Greyhound bus and uh, traveling around the States, uh, in a greyhound, but yeah, things all the all the first time experiences, I think, are always the uh, the the things that the, the, the defining moments of what you know what, we did. what Go to Australia. So, you know, Carl, yeah, what, all these little things. Are, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You broke broke up for a second. You said going to Australia, uh, yeah, Carl. You know Australia. the one thing the one thing that really shines through with you is you you still have this enthusiasm about. Like I've done a bunch of interviews, and you you can tell when somebody is just mailing it in. You have this enthusiasm still that's, uh, it rubs yeah. off. I thought, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's key. That's, that is totally key. I think, you know, and that comes from experience. Doing it for a long time. I really think that, you know, I, I've got to that point in, in our lives where one of the defining things about my life is the fact that I've had three chances of doing this. People in life often don't get any. Don't get any. And yep. I've, had, I've, had, I've had three chances. I've Option number one when I first joined in the, in the early eighties through Whale, through no practical ability <laughs> or skill, I <laughs> just joined by default because I could drive. Uh, and then leaving, and I think leaving uh, and not doing it for a few years 
gave me that kind of like space to appreciate it for what it was by not doing it. Then, re then I rejoined in the early 2000s, 2015. So I don't know, I can't remember, a long time ago. Um, yeah, 2012, I don't know. About 2004, yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> it's a long time ago. Uh, so I got a second bite of the cherry and to do it again. And then when, you know, both of fell apart and I got to start and do Memoriam, yeah, that's that's third time around. So I'm very privileged, very privileged and um, proud of what I've achieved. And, you know, I just love doing it. You know, I think, you know, if by one piece of advice to uh, anyone on the planet is, you know, love what you do and enjoy what you're doing. And regardless of what level you're at or what you do, you know, if, if you're just in a demo band or you're with your mates making music in your room on a Friday night and having a few beers and you enjoy it that's great that's what it's all about, all about. that's why it's all, all everything else is a bonus but if you don't enjoy doing that we don't want to do that then then, then don't do it life's too short there's other things to do exactly to enjoy hey, Carl, so that's last, my key that's my, last, my, my word of advice my last the, words of advice last words and last question here if there's a song on Rise to Power again coming out February 3rd through Reaper Entertainment, if there's a song that you think best represents Memoriam right now and uh, where you guys are at, maybe your fa favorite track, what would, would that, even though, you know, it's a whole album, I love yeah. Total War and I love The Conflict Is Within. I, I love those tracks. Yeah. But yeah. what, I, I what would you it's say? Is, it's, it's like trying to choose your, choose your favorite child. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but 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 no. Yeah, I I understand. And there's elements of certain so every elements of every song I particularly, particularly like. You know, conflict within the last the closing section of that is epic. I really like it. But if I was to pick one standout track, and it always seems to be this way with every album, it's the last track. This pain. This pain. All, for me, it's always the last track on the album, which seems to be the big epic enders. Which I really like them. The ones that we can never play live because they're too, they're too big and epic. <laughs> That's, they're usually the ones I like the best. Last words. Yeah. Uh, hey. As my heart grows cold. And on this one, this pain again is is uh, is my favourite track at this point in time. Uh, they're all great, but uh, that one stands out for me, particularly drawn from personal experience in life. <laughs> Carl, this has been one of the best interviews I have ever had. It's a pleasure yeah. talking to you, sir. Please continue Good to man. stay safe. Again, Rise to Power is out February 3rd. Carl, thank you for the time today, sir. No, so Matt, it's been a pleasure to talk to you.